Welcome once again to Inside LAFC MVP, the Max and Vince podcast, episode two of the rebirth. So we actually have to be good now. We got some good responses after last week. We got to take it to another level, right? Vince LaRosa, Max Bredos. From episode one to 11. Yes, all the way up. All the way up. Where do you go from there? Nowhere, exactly. That's fine with me. Okay. With our staircase to nowhere (laughs) on our set. Uh, decent drive to Burbank today. I had to go back and pick up my water bottle. Oh, so that's it, why you were late. I was a little bit yeah, late. I made it down. I go, where's my water bottle? Max Bredos, who's always late. All, all your former co-stars tell me the same. They're like, yep, same old Max. That is not true. Definitely true. Yeah. Not my strong point, but I usually get the job done. It's true. But it does surprise me when you show, if I'm somewhere and you're already there. You're terrified. Uh, yeah. I'm very scared. I don't blame you. I don't blame you for that. <laughs> Punctuality is important. So. So, Max, how was your weekend? Fantastic. Oh, good. Uh, obviously, we get to talk about a game, which is really good as part of here. And I took some notes. You I was t- there. Copious notes. Can you show your notes <laughs> to the camera? This is... Um, I'd rather not. I do this wait, new thing with a large paper, and I do, like, little books. I, I love your notes because uh, recently, professional broadcasters of your ilk love oh, to God. show how much they use highlighters, and they just meticulously put formations together they even have like labels come on as if it's going to go to some museum somewhere i mean i'd love to see i let's do a coffee table collection book of arlo white's formations he's a, he's very it's very uh meticulous and uh organized mine is not do you think he has a little magnifying glass to look at it, <laughs> <laughs> is it like he's gone so meta that he's like i got a smallest type and then just read with yeah. the magnifying glass but the other thing with uh with like and I befriended guys like um, Callum, who calls, calls the games in Minnesota, and we talk. And then the, the British broadcasters have that. the Oh, the microphone with, with the little And they shutter. carry it everywhere. And I just, it drives me bananas. I go, just use the one there. Because oh, I bring it. Like a, like a pool cue in the color of money, you know? But, <laughs> what I don't understand is they, but they also wear the headset. Do you remember the color of money, the movie with Tom Cruise and? Well, Paul Newman's one Paul of my Newman. favorite actors. Thank you. So, yeah. Producer, Jason, yeah. people do get that reference. Uh, no, but I love, so they wear the headset, which allows you to maybe have a microphone, which, by the way, I like having two hands free with the way we have everything set up. Why would they then bring themselves to always have to hold up a mic to their face? Hygiene issues, too, I think. Oh, yeah, those mics. Must be a spit collector. Disgusting. But it sounds great. Because you know all those English broadcasters still smoke a pipe. Yes. So a good weekend, had the game. Sunday. I go for my beach run in Santa Monica. I throw the rugby ball around. It was 90 degrees. Nice. It was windy, though. kind of killed it. And uh, the one thing is my f- bottom of my feet are all burnt now because the sand was mm-hmm. so hot. But that's a nice feeling. It means summer's in the air. It's yeah. right around the corner. I was seriously bummed because Sunday was a beautiful day, and I was still recovering from my, my second shot, which everyone, please go get your vaccination shots, but make sure that you have a couple days off because <laughs> I didn't because I did the pregame show what are you the live pregame what show. what are you are you a Pfizer are you a Moderna yeah, we're, we're a Pfizer family a Pfizer uh, family I don't know just because Cody and I both got Pfizer so I like, I'm Johnson I, I like the sound of Pfizer family I'm Johnson and Johnson we're hard to come by these days I know you've been canceled one and done <laughs> blood clots and all from the great city of Cincinnati FC Cincinnati I, I actually watched the Nashville FC Cincinnati game if you could believe that and I was actually entertained I mean it was two to two it was good. And somehow Cincinnati scored two goals within the first 25 minutes. 20, first 20 minutes. That you, might be their entire output for the next Did month. you watch a fair share of uh, MLS? I did. I, did. I, I thought it was a really good weekend. It was a fun weekend. There I thought a, so, too. There was a lot of goals. The funny thing was the games that were like kind of the marquee games, the, the uh, uh, Columbus and uh, Philly, 0-0. Oh. 
the Atlanta <laughs> Orlando 0-0. It was, it was interesting. The games that I thought there'd be more goals and more. I think the, the Columbus game was actually still exciting for a 0-0. Uh, the MLS Community Shield. Like yes, MLS it. Community Shield was exciting for a 0-0. Orlando, Atlanta, not so much. Let's, we'll get to that because there's some, some interesting storylines developing. And people oh, is there talking. something going on around the world? Yes, because I was watching that Columbus-Philadelphia game, and I was like w- waiting for them to break in with this huge news that uh, you know, sent shockwaves throughout not just the soccer world. It was amazing to see on – I had my computer there and just looking at the Twitter comments, and everyone caught on. Uh, Pat McAfee was like, what does this mean? I actually – Sent the virus guy? No, not Pat McAfee. No, I'm he's, kidding. <laughs> he's everywhere. Yeah. So everyone was paying attention. And college football people going, "Hey, it's like our sport." But the uh, the Super League was announced, and it went from "Is it going to happen?" to all of a sudden, "It's happening." They have they have a website. They have a graphics package. Oh, they, they have, have a logo. <laughs> they have a font. <laughs> they have a font and everything. And it's like, here we go. So these twelve teams. I can't call them all super. That was that's one of the big that's the biggest argument that, that I have. That's a shot at Tottenham. Tottenham, well, fan. Tottenham, Arsenal, and well, how the heck does Milan get into the Super League? I mean, don't Mo- look at me like that. You look at Milan still has the second most uh, Champions League trophies. Yeah, of any but it's twenty twenty one. I mean, they're basically basing it off of being historically big clubs. They're right, they're I not saying that. it's the best clubs right now because I understand. Where's that. Leicester? Atalanta. Yeah. You would have to, if you're picking 15 of the best clubs right now, Atalanta would be on that list, correct? Well, yeah. That'd be a fun thing. Who would be the actual Super League on form? Ooh, that would be a fun thing. You should have uh, presented that before we did the the rundown. I could have actually spent some time on it. But Atalanta would be there not just for form, but for the way that they do it, right? I mean, the funny thing is the, the, how much everyone's jumped to conclusions on everything. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is going to happen. The Super Clubs There's did- bad information circling out yeah, there because people all, are on the impression that we can't these rivalries. The, the leagues are going to remain. Well, won't be the same, but the leagues are going to remain. People keep telling me that every club is going to get $3.5 billion. No, that is the full payout to the 15 clubs that start, so about $350 million each. And those are on bank guarantees. Walk on, around money. Yeah, just a little bit of extra cash in your pocket. Um, the, yeah, the fact that the, they weren't going to play in their leagues anymore, obviously they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They know that it would be bad for their domestic leagues for them to break away, but this is just realistically what it is is a tier above Champions League with no entry point, basically, with the smallest, the smallest keyhole for a couple clubs to get in every year. Um, but they want to play domestic football with the domestic leagues, rightly so. We're like, no, get that out of here if you're going to do that. Um, but everyone's jumping to conclusions, and, and please, please, I beg of you, MLS people, and myself included, you, Max, and my friends on the 110 football show, do not try to angle away that this will be good for MLS. MLS has nothing to do with this. Every windfall well, that happens in Europe should not, fall into, should not fall into MLS's lap because essentially the players are actually getting screwed over in all of this, right? Who would say but they say it's good for MLS because people will turn their eyes to MLS be- because it has some kind of purity in competition? <laughs> That's what they're, I think there's something to that. Essentially what, uh, maybe a little bit, but look, players are the ones that are going to get screwed over in this because clubs are going to rake in this money. They're not going to look to pay players more. Part of the reason why they need this money is because they're in the hole for playing, pairs, playing players too much. Um, but they'll get, if they do go through with this, they will make a lot of money. Those players if will, they do go through with it. Yeah, those players will. You don't think it's going to happen? You're not 100% sure? I think it's sure? something, something in between is going to happen. Bayern Munich is the one that's kind of would probably change if they say we don't want to be part of it, I think. Well, I think you what, need Byron in there. What really changes is the fact that you know if, if players can't play in as soon as Euro twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, whatever you want to call it. But you're saying that if they, the players, if UEFA blocks those players from going in there, that will never hold up in court. 
That would that is a lose. Why would UEFA bring it? And if FIFA's going to do that with the World Cup, you're not going to win that. But it's that's their just comp- a waste of time. It's their competition. They can bar people from their competition. Good luck. With, there's no way they will get their lunch eaten. And I don't know anything about the law. I'm just saying, what are you, you can't do that. Yeah. Right. But I'm just saying, so be careful what you do. Cause, so those players are not going to turn around and go, oh, you know, it's a closed structure. Sure, they're paying the best wages, but MLS, I'd love to go there. They seem to really know what they're doing there. It's not going to happen. Come on. To me, I don't like it, but I don't like a lot of things about sports, but you get used to them and you move along. I didn't like the fact that when I was a kid and I loved Bernie Kosar and the Cleveland Browns, one day they became the Baltimore Ravens. And I was like, oh, I don't have a team anymore. Bernie Kosar. <laughs> you brought up Bernie Kosar in a to bring conversation with, about ta- the likes of Messi, Mbappe, Neymar. He's like, Kosar. Oh, Kosar. The greats. Kosar's fourth name on that list. So it's, it is, it, it's been in the works. People have been talking about this for 30 years. And the fact that people are shocked that it's happening, I'm like, where have you been? And some of the comments in particular coming from England about how the game is destroyed, I'm like, Look, the Premier League was it's 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 a it's a money grab. Yeah. The Premier League was, was a money origi- grab. The original money grab. The imi- original money grab. Yeah. And then expansion and the Champions League and all these kind of things is all about getting money. Now, this is a whole nother level because it's these clubs moving it. And again, I'm I I like things the way they are. That's why we cover the sport. It's kind of yeah. perfect the leagues. We enjoy that. It's kind of nice. I I mean, I wouldn't mind a little change. Uh my biggest thing is um, and this is uh, this is not original point for me. This is actually from Carl Anka, who does great writing. Um, it's so unimaginative, because basically all they're doing is saying we want to be able to control our TV rights and our sponsorship rights. So all football is saying is the only way to make money is to get more money for TV, more money for sponsorship, and the big clubs are saying we deserve more of that pie. That's all they're doing. They do though. Maybe they do, but I'm just saying, could we get more creative on the ways we can make money and and pretend? I mean, you pretended through this whole year that you were all about community. And about bringing the community to get together. And then you're like, nope. At the end of the day, we're all about paying our, our employees, not the, not the players, paying the, the high-level employees and executives to make sure that they get the same salary they get and our shareholders get it by TV money. Okay. I mean, that's what it's always been about. Let's not pretend like that ever changed. We could be here for an hour talking about we this. It's, it's, to me, the biggest sports story of the year, any sport. Mm-hmm. And nothing's going to top because uh, it, at its core, it's what you said. It's these clubs looking out for their interests, which we've never heard of, that they could say, we've got it, not the leagues, not the tournaments. We're going to call the shots. So the one thing that I find really interesting is uh, the, uh, how much in, in, in the United Kingdom, where I've heard most of the pushback, the disdain for the Americans who are involved here. And there's a very American feel to it, the way this tournament's going to, it was modeled after the NBA best of three series. I'm like, oh, and it made me laugh because I know it's driving people bananas. But, you know, the, the American influence is here. So yeah. don't ignore it. They got, the, they got the deep pockets, and they're going to form it in what's comfortable to them. Loving money in sports is not uniquely American. That's right. We'll leave it at that. Yes. <laughs> Why don't we talk about uh, some good things? Uh, the game. LAFC, uh, an opening weekend. Uh, odd in some respects because it wasn't a full stadium, but also oddly beautiful in some ways because you guys were loud. Like they were still very loud. I was very happy. I was. That was the the first thing I noticed. Yeah. I I, I uh, expected it pretty. You know, it's four thousand. I know, but you know, maybe when you're not in a full stadium, you don't have that energy through the roof. But the the folks in the north end lifted it. That has to be hard work when there's 
75% less of you to mm-hmm. make it because sometimes you can defer a little bit with the cheering. You can't. You got, that's your full 90 minutes. But I was, I was actually really blown away how loud it was in there with that. The acoustics of Bank California Stadium. That goes too. a long way. Not, not to take anything away from those people in the North End and everyone else around the stadium that were loud. They were loud. Uh, but getting to my little, my, not my perch, it's a big area. There's a lot of press in there. Um, but getting to the little perch of the press box perch. And, and hearing that was, uh, it was incredible. I did not, I didn't expect it. I just thought it was going to be it either. I, a little I, bit I quiet. I set a very low bar. I go, just get, it's going to get better. And I was like, I could deal with that. Uh, and just look, there's all the, all the things you have to go through. I thought everyone did a wonderful job. It was kind of nice in a way to get in and out of a stadium with relative ease. Yeah. Uh, everything people listened with the parking, it was a, is a well-oiled machine in and out that all the paperwork you fill out to get in the stadium. Once you were in there, obviously we have restrictions and protocols in place. Once you were in there with the exception of going to the concession stands, it felt like a pretty normal game day. It wasn't. Uh, the folks at Bank of California Stadium trusted the fans, so they weren't on top of them. If someone didn't have their mask on, I'm sure those conversations were held. I had my mask on the whole time. But it's, Liar. It, it's not, it wasn't, because that's the feel, too, that in that circumstance, they go, how much are they going to be, for lack of a better word, policing the fan experience? And I thought they were, they were pretty laid back with that, it's, so to speak, at trusting. And then that was returned by the supporters. I mean, there was a good amount of space between areas. I mean, yes, in the support section, people were slightly closer, but it was nowhere like Miami, where it seemed like everyone was all in that one section. Um, look, outside, I think we know there's much lower transmission, but please do keep your mask on and keep a little bit of space. It's the areas, the restrooms, the concession stands, which there were no concession stands. You had to get everything at your That's seat. Order. You had to do everything contactless with your phone, uh, which might be the way forward for stadiums anyways. We've been trying to go that way for the longest time, you know, be all within the ecosystem of one app for everything. Um, so maybe that's the way forward. Uh, what we have not mentioned yet, uh, which was obviously a big topic, was the TIFO for Mo. Um, the reason why we have not mentioned it yet, um, because we'll go into deeper detail with Julio Ramos. Uh, we'll be interviewing him, talking about uh, that TIFO, which was beautiful, an amazing TIFO, a very large TIFO. I mean, that's probably the biggest TIFO that they've had in the stadium, um, which was great for Mo. Uh, but we'll be talking to Julio Ramos and not- other, I didn't see. Did I not watch enough? Were there tifos in some other stadiums? It didn't seem like they were. There were not a lot of tifos around MLS this weekend. So it stood out to me. It, it, and you wish there was a, a packed North End because it gives it that that depth uh, with these those incredible tifos. But still uh, breathtaking to see that rolled out. And um, we'll talk about that. And, and some of the things that we saw in tribute to Mo. And I think one thing that we all. Uh, we all share as part of LAFC is the familiarities with the supporters that we spend time with, but to see it on a, on a national level. Mm -hmm. And I watched the re-air of the game and Fox referencing him and uh, the commissioner a while ago, also mentioning uh, the loss. That was just uh, it's, you know, these are things that you don't see and it's a testament to the supporters, the 3252, the district nine ultras that they can make this so important. Mm -hmm. And this, this man, Mo Fascio, will never be forgotten. Yep. And we'll talk with Julio more about that. And he'll give us, we want to know more about Mo as a person. So he'll give us more details so you, you can learn what kind of person he was. Not just the man behind the TIFO, not just the VP of the 3252, the, the guy. Um, and I think that will resonate with people because every time I talk to somebody, they really want to talk about what kind of person he was behind the scenes. Um, weird segue, but do you want to talk about the game? Let's talk about the game. We got to go on there. And uh, it's a three o'clock kickoff. Yep. Bob, that's Bob's favorite. A little warm. 
Um, I, it was it was very nice weather though for football. It was nice weather, and then you had the the Miami LA Galaxy game also at about the same time um, on national. Uh, that one on suffered the, the most from the weather. <laughs> Phil Neville, had, Phil Neville, and David Beckham. I, as much as I know that they come from England, and I remember when David was here, he was like, "I wear long sleeves all the time. I don't care what the weather is. I'm wearing a long sleeve kit all the time." And MLS was more than happy to facilitate for them adidas was more than happy to facilitate that for him but him and phil neville in white button-down shirts with ties and suits miami my friend at least give me a, a white like linen suit like go, go it wasn't bad go I it was 82 but it was obviously a lot of humidity 90 like percent humidity I, I don't think and you, and I, I, only, our guy gonzalo Guayin is gonna make the summer down yeah, there in, into one into what the 60th minute he had only made one sub after telling after we were been reminded over and over again on the broadcast they have planned subs they don't think that they're uh, fully fit because they had some COVID problems with their preseason. He's going to use subs. He's going to use subs. And then the team simply runs out of gas. We're not supposed would to talk about Why are we talking about that game? Would it be harsh if I put Inter-Miami 27th out of 27 teams after my week one power rankings? Is that too harsh? No. Never mind. I'm doing it. No. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think who was, who was worse. Everyone's like, Vancouver. Well, Vancouver won last night. Vancouver won last night. Yeah. But let's, okay. Let's go back to the game real quick. Um, and the reason I bring up the afternoons is because one day I'd love to see an, a primetime network game under the lights mm-hmm. where MLS is best. I agree with you. But we'll, maybe one day. And I think the numbers are going to come out and they're going to be promising. Again, for MLS, it's not going to be uh, mind-blowing, but I think there's progress. The, the quality of the game was there wasn't a lot of other sports competing with it, not even soccer. It was a quiet, with the exception of the Super League. Uh, it was a quiet game. I mean, it's some FA Cup, which I can't even watch an FA Cup with, no, with an empty stadium, more than any other fixture. And not too many key league fixtures so they had most of the spotlight the big game of the weekend i think was uh, america cruz azul in liga mex and then uh some other stuff going around but the actual game let's talk about what we saw let me grab my notes yeah you got copious notes i want i want to hear them copious i thought the uh we were worried about defensively because we saw in the preseason they fixed that they weren't facing a team that obviously had the bit between the teeth looking for goal opportunities they were kind of sitting back but LAFC, no Diego Rossi, late scratch, and Carlos Vela early in the game. Now, let's, let's dive hats into that. off to Bob Bradley for handling it with complete yeah. and utter honesty and, having to, and getting the microphone on and saying that with the Fox crew. Uh, that was a breath of fresh air. I thought he was asking for a sub. I was right above him. I saw him do this. I thought it was a sub. You still have to, you still have to communicate that. I mean, he me. went like this, like, come over here, which means treat me. I, look, I, I thought he kind of like did one of these. I mean, the international sign for substitute is this, which is funny because later in the game, Edward Atwested did that, and they were like, no, go back out there. We don't have any more subs because they'd used up, not all their subs, they'd used up the three instances in which they could make substitution. So let me ask you this. Bob Bradley says it was a mistake, but do you think he was going, if there's anything wrong, I see him rubbing his thigh there. I'm taking him out now. I'm not risking it. Yeah, when you already have Diego Rossi not in your 18, and then your other player, you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Diego could be out. They say that Diego has like a, a slight knock from training and he shouldn't be out long, but they don't know that he had, sc- he had scans at Bank of California Stadium on his leg. And they said that looked good. But again, muscle injuries are a mystery. They could last weeks. They could, he could be back this weekend, but he doesn't know. So going into it, he's thinking, okay, no Diego Rossi. He's watching, he's watching Carlos come off. He's watching the fact that his team's kind of playing slow and doesn't really have a spark. And he's thinking, oh, no. Can't go through three to four weeks with this, with with new guys having to integrate without my my guys that like really 
glue the team together and have that ability to create a spark. So I, I see it, but I just, it was bizarre. It was just the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. I've never, I just, at that early in the game, you can play 10 men for like a good five, 10 minutes if you needed to, especially when it's Carlos Vela. And it's Austin. They're not, they're not going to go, Hey, Carlos Vela's out. Let's go for it. Yeah. Let's, let's hit the accelerator. They were definitely, Austin was playing a very, um, not slow, but just, Methodical. Yeah, they were to get the way. ball, look for a foul, which is a good. And but it was, it was a bit of a. It was a. It was a handbrake for sure. Yeah, they were methodical in their buildup. Which, hey, to them, to their point, they they didn't just go long. They did like to try to build. Um, but then when LAFC had the ball, it was collapsed through the center. Ooh, Danny they, Houston was like an auxiliary extra midfielder, um, which basically limited him in the attack. I mean, that was I think the biggest problem for Austin. Um, at least if they're going to play, you know, when they're playing teams like LFC, and if that's the way they're going to play, you you have a bunch of facilitators other than that. Like, you don't have any striker strikers. I mean, Rodney Reyes might might turn out to be a, a a finisher, maybe a Diego Rossi type, but Dominguez, facilitator. Pochettino, facilitator. Ring, facilitator. It's, if Houston has to do all that work on the defensive end, the is guy. he... I, I, I think at, that, at the top end, you're right, it was uh, a little lack of pizzazz, which is is fine. And the big block of players, they were organized, but they just put that big iceberg in front and you couldn't do much. Yeah, and once LAFC got anywhere near the 18, at least in the first half, they just went, bloop, like six guys collapsing. And LAFC is like stumbling over. They're trying to get balls and they're not quite sharp. Um, but they, Mahala comes in. Mahala. So Masovsky comes in for Rossi. We didn't expect to see either one of those two really in this featured role, and they did. And... They got back into a rhythm, and they unlocked that defense with some regularity. And there was, a mo- there was about a stretch from, like, minute 48 to minute 65 where they were just pouring it on. Yeah. And I was like, this is really good. But you got to get a goal. Uh, Corey Baird was the holdover of the attack, and he looked as comfortable in that system as anyone I've seen in recent years, you know, other than Rossi and Vela, mm-hmm. who kind of do it. And without Rossi and Vela, you, you figure this kind of comes off the rails a bit. It didn't. It looked like yeah. the system that is instilled by Bob Bradley, and they had guys there that had the keys and could pull it off. Well, since we're fully into this match, let's just go to the takeaway segment. If we had a cool graphic right now, this would be the time. Uh, you know, with n- noises like... Pew, pew, pew. Um, but for those that maybe remember, hopefully people still remember that I worked for the club. I say it enough. Uh, when I worked for the club, we used to do a great thing after every match, and I did my best to get it out right after the match, meaning I used to work till like 2 or 3 in the morning, which was, it was still fun. You're always amped from the game. I can't go to sleep anyways. And I would do takeaways. And normally we did five. I remember one time Lou Wynn asked me, why do you do five? And I said, I don't know. It just seemed like the right number. He's like, yeah, three's too few. Four's weird. And I was like, yeah, five. Uh, so thanks, What's wrong with three? Thanks, Lee Wynn. I don't know. He said too few. But three is what we're going to do now. Because I'm glad if I had you to vetted talk- that out with him. Yeah, if I had to talk through five, that'd be too much. But I, I'd like I read it every takeaways. week with a five. And I would usually lift your information and repurpose yeah. it like it came from my mouth. I will say the, the amount of people that have told me they, they miss takeaways um, warms, warms my heart. So if you, takeaways. Miss, if you miss takeaways in written version, guess what? We're going to do it on the podcast now. So my takeaway number one was number one goalkeeper. Pablo Cisniega. Pablo Cisniega. And the bombshell we got a day earlier that Kenneth Vermeer and the club were parting ways, which we don't know. Any, we don't pry. We don't want, I don't want to break stories. It's not what I'm hearing. You don't want to break stories. But you look at it and you, you immediately say, there must have been a conversation. Say we're going to start Pablo Cisniega, and he's going to be the number one. You said like the two goalkeeper situation. At some point, you got to kind of claim somebody. And when one of them is an international, 
goalkeeper. International spots are going to be even more at a premium. That market is weird now. People are play, paying out the nose for it. And on top of it, going forward, so for people that don't know, the MLS, classic MLS, put out the rules and regulations for the whole season, like two days before the season's about to start. One of the biggest changes is you need to get your green card before, before the end of this uh, secondary window. And then going forward, players will have to have their green card before the start of the season. So no more, this guy was international, now he's not. No more, which I kind of like. It's like, get your business done beforehand. Um, but that put LAFC in a bind. But I think they were always kind of wondering, like, you know, I, I don't always attribute, the, I, you know, go with this saying, but when you have two goalkeepers, you don't really even have one. When you have two goalkeepers, you don't have one. Uh, but Pablo, Pablo but, well, what, let's rate his, you know, he wasn't facing a ton of shots. No, uh, but the distribution shots, was pretty good, I thought. So, Pablo. Not, not good. It was like a lot of long balls, which is a bit. Well, no, so that was smart of him, right? You know, what I, what I saw from Pablo in his distribution was he would see options and then go, okay, that guy's there, that guy's there. And then by the time he's making the decision, it's too late. And he's maybe distributing. So this time he was like, okay, there's my wow, first option. that's opportunity. next level right there, La Rosa. Well, he would look. You could see him. Did he's you have like, a shock? Do you have a, a, yeah, a have timer? A, yeah, I do. Like a, like a release clock, like an NFL coach. You're like, a, you're like Bill Belichick. Man, you can't look off that third guy. This guy. Like, like I don't do my homework. Uh, <laughs> no, but if you look, rewatch the game. Look at him. He kind of looks. One option, no. Go long. Just, just be done with it. And I'm fine with that for now. Obviously, in, a, in the grander scheme of things, you want a goalkeeper that can uh, distribute a little more. What I did think he was good at, in turn, not distribution, but being aggressive, coming out of the box. Yes. Um, you know, there was punched a, few a times, couple ones that were punched a couple. There was a few where guys tried to play back to him, and they maybe left it a little short, which happens, you know, to start a season. Um, but he was he was at the ready, uh, and then he did what he does when it comes to shots. He was in the right position, and you know, in the 89th minute, he made a save that it would have been one to one. Um, and then he got you know. Even beyond that, when it, made, it was 2-0, there was still another save to be made. He preserved the clean sheet. That's great for Pablo, great for the defense. Like, it's just a good foundation to build on. So I think, Getting yeah. a shutout, it's just it's a, it's a result. But, I mean, that it must be good for goalies. And you're like, all right, you get the credit for that. You get the clean sheet, and then that's a good stat. It's, it's a highly rated stat. When you're, when you're researching games and you're talking about goalkeepers, you first think, yeah. how, many, how many shutouts has he had? Okay, five. And you, you mentioned that usually in a broadcast. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's important. I know he was asked questions about the Kenneth Vermeer situation, and we always knew that when we talked about what's it like having you two, he he really embraced the situation. They were friendly. They like were I mean, he's friendly. not immune to the two situation. lovely guys. Yeah, he's not immune to know. But you don't that... want in a goalkeeper. You don't want lovely, right? No, yeah, I want to be a little mean. Pablo's. I mean, Pablo's just so nice. Uh, he is a great guy. Uh, but yeah, he wouldn't have been immune to the situation and would have known that you know now that Kenneth's gone. Oh wow, rightly or wrongly, the spotlight's even more so on me, and he stepped up to the challenge. So that's. Takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, you kind of got into it. Corey Baird, the new guys, new guy, basically, provides a spark. And, and you were right. From at halftime, that must have been a hell of a halftime speech because they came out. I thought, Corey right? Baird, I thought Corey Baird was everywhere. Like every time I looked up, he was pressing on the left. He's pressing on the right. They pressed them for that, like you said, that kind of 48 to 65th minute, just like crazy. And I, and I, I mentioned, because Jason was sitting with me, our producer Team was Team MVP with me. after week one. Yeah, man of the match. <laughs> well, it's between him and Pablo. Um, I, Jason was sitting with me. And no Edward? Edward was okay. What are you talking about? He was, he was just like he ever always does, pulls those strings. Yeah, but did, did you see any great, like, really killer, killer passes? He, he played a few good a long balls, pressed a little bit. I thought he was okay. I thought he was, look, 
You're, it's a high bar for me with Edward. Apparently so. so. Um, but I can I get out my point about what I was going to say? No. What I said to Jason? What I said to what Jason about Latif? in the first half. Latif was very good. What I said to Jason in the first half was that uh, Austin is just playing through LAFC like, like it does, doesn't matter. And yes, they, they weren't able to. Once It's funny. Austin would play through LAFC, play through the press way too easy. I saw Danny Masofsky kind of lost in the areas he was trying to press. The midfield was a little bit farther back than they probably should have been. Um, they would get to three. Danny was taking it very deep, and I, yeah. he was never he was never going to be a threat for a cross or anything. But Austin would deep, deep. Austin would play so easily through LAFC, get to the final third, and then go. Oh, what now? Now what? And so the def- defense held strong, which was your your point. Uh, but then in the second half, it was like, okay, no more of that, Austin. You've had enough fun, and they basically kept the ball in Austin's half, almost in Austin's defensive third, for a good twenty minutes. And like you said, Corey Baird was a big part of that. And so it was kind of nice that he kind of capped it off with that goal that basically a seeing game- eye ball that kind of just got through yes. there, which they needed because at that point I was saying, all right, you're getting a lot of chances. You got to, you yes. got to score here. You know, as well as I do, they, they probably could have only kept that up for as long as they did until they got the goal. It felt that way. It felt like they, this is the window. It's starting to close. Uh, you can't have seven, eight chances and not, not score the goal. So it did. It. And I, I don't know if he caught it completely clean because he hit it from distance. But he went in, and uh, we'll talk about Mo later, but one of the things that I, I – maybe the lasting impression I will get, a player who's just joined the club, mm-hmm. and they gave those uh, armbands with Mo's name on it, pointed to it and to the fans, mm-hmm. uh, and raised his arm in tribute of Mo. And I thought that was uh, – that is just rare stuff. That's the yeah. really good stuff. I mean, and that's and a credit – And yourself to that fan base very quickly. That's a credit to Corey, who I've, I've have gotten the chance to speak to him a little bit, and he gets it. Like, he understands he's coming into a new situation and he wants to quickly integrate himself and be a part of something. But also credit to the club, right? You got guys like, like Jordan Harvey uh, in that locker room who probably kind of let him know, like, this is kind of how we do things. It's, right. it's not just a little bit different. It's a lot different than probably how he did things at RSL. Um, so credit to Corey for taking that on board um, and, and running with it, you know, living what he's, he's preaching. Um, but also, I think the club, when they bring new guys in, they, they really try to... They say the fans, that's a big part of what we do, and they'll be there for you, so we got to be there for them. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what emerged. But, again, he was uh, relentless. We talked about the depth as well, and I think everyone that came Mm -hmm. in uh, provided a a spark, Mm -hmm. provided an impact off the bench. Sifu obviously scoring the goal a little bit later, aided by Mahala. Yeah. This is a good feeling. This, I mean, when you have those two guys out and to have that performance, that's great news. Well. That dovetails in the last takeaway. Okay, I didn't last know takeaway, that. Let me see the last takeaway. Which oh, was yes, about yes. playing fast. When LAFC played fast, when they played in transition especially, they were dangerous. And that's such a weapon for LAFC. I, I know that Bob has been talking a lot about passes, about controlling games, about having that bar between control and when you go fast. Um, LAFC came out, and he, Bob said it after the game. It was like, first 10 minutes, I thought we were okay. Then they kind of just settled into uh, the speed of the game that Austin wanted to play. Can't, can't do that. They just were collapsing on them. So that second half, to, to turn it up, to switch it up, uh, play quick, hit the accelerator. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, doing, I'm driving the bus, all this stuff. Um, they, need, they need to know, and that's, that's, a love, that's a high IQ of, of a smart team. It's like, okay, we're not going to just pass through this team. Look, we've got, we've got the, the horses. Let's just go out there and let's just race past them. Um, they have the skill to do that, and I think that was the second half. That was the story of the second half. Play fast, play in transition. Doesn't need to all be pretty. 
let's just get on top of them and get some chances from from 30 yards and in. And it, it, it felt like the you watch so many games this weekend and you, there's still fitness issues and uh, rhythm issues, but it felt like they were further along than a lot of clubs in how they wanted to play, certainly how they did that second half. It was a pace. The paddock out there, Bank of California Stadium, looked fast, and it, it looked glorious, by the way. So the crew, once again, knocking it out of the park, Gio and all those guys. Is a paddock a, a hockey reference? No, paddock is like uh, oh, I don't know. a stable. I thought, I thought maybe you were going. It's got grass. I thought maybe you were doubling down on you. No more hockey, okay? Okay, we got Imad all upset because I said hockey was a dead end sport. I obviously didn't you mean hang out that. With Paul I meant I was saying that to Jason Carapesi, who's a huge New Jersey Devils fan. I don't, whatever, Penguins. I don't know, but Rangers, New York Rangers. Yeah, no one's a Devils fan. <laughs> Just Marty Brodeur, one guy. There's your hockey. If talk. I had a hockey, there's team, your hockey talk, a, hockey people. I, I said Marty Brodeur. I know, <laughs> we, if I had a hockey team, it's the Florida Panthers who are doing great. But that's what's the yeah, hometown could, team. Should like. we do? A, should we do some like at least thirty seconds on hockey every no. week? No. Oh, but we'd be so different from all the rest of the soccer podcast. It's not me, you know? Yeah. It's not me. I mean, we're already different enough. Look at us. So that was good. The pace was there for all to see, and you can only imagine those better. Are, those are my three takeaways. And look, Carlos looks great. And in the preseason, he looked up to I mean, me Carlos looked further, great for not, you know, 20 minutes. <laughs> I was glad he wasn't rubbing his knee. He was rubbing up here on the, the quad. Yeah, I think it was like a Charlie horse. Yeah. More than anything. And then Diego Rossi looked great in preseason. He couldn't play, but you expect those guys to fit right in here. But to get that from Mahala, Masovsky, I know, he, maybe not the role that he's most comfortable playing. He was running. He was connecting dots. Look at you knocked your head. Danny, uh, yeah. He, look, Danny had, he was put in a tough spot. He probably wasn't expecting to start. To your point, yes, he was like, he was trying to close spaces from too far away. Uh, a couple times he was caught in possession where he was like his body shape wasn't right. Didn't realize there was a guy behind him. Uh, but it's it's early. Yes. It's early. I saw I saw Danny though in preseason games where he looked really good. Um, so yeah, maybe you're right. He wasn't in the spots that he normally wants to find himself in. I'm waiting for Cheeky to finally get that cross that we're going to go because he's making some. He's getting behind the defense. Mm-hmm. He's very active. He, they use him a lot moving yeah. forward. He's on the precipice, I right? He's, I feel, it's going to come. It was like this perfect ball. Mm-hmm. Danny Masovsky's going to head it in. Yeah, we're I mean, be off and running. the defender, the back line was all pretty solid. I mean, Cheeky had, had a little bit of this through the game, but for the most part, his, his floor in that game was very high, so it wasn't like it was ever bad. I thought Tristan was very good in dealing with uh, Dominguez on that side because Dominguez was pretty active. There goes our, our logo for what a second. I don't know. It's probably only. Do we, do we, it's probably do, we tell- start, do we start the podcast at the beginning? It's probably telling us that we've been long winded. <laughs> we are. And we're uh, going too long. So uh, maybe we, maybe we uh, should, should wrap this. I think we put a bow on it. Okay, we put a bow. Do anything about MLS? Is it okay to feel good for Chicharito? I mean, okay. His first goal, very Chicharito. Vintage like. Chicharito. The second goal, goalie. the goalkeeper, uh, <laughs> he looked like a paper bag in the wind. Yeah, but I think. Even as an LAC fan, you hear what he said afterwards, and then uh, to be, have that bond with his grandfather. His grandfather was a, a Mexican international great footballer, mm-hmm. and to see that and miss me, I, mean, I don't know, he could not be a little bit affected by it. It was, uh, it's good to see someone have a cathartic moment like that okay. after the season. I will say this, yes, it is good to hear athletes speak their true emotions and give not a stock. Before the game, he gave a very stock interview. How many goals are you going to score? Oh, it's just about trophies and, and championships. And I was like, eh, that sounds about right. I mean, what do you expect him to say before a game? Yeah, but after the game, he, the he, he laid it all out there on the line, and I, I do appreciate that. But Max, real quick, 
We're talking too much Galaxy. We've already, okay, but let me talk about it. Isn't it important for you want the Galaxy to do well so when we play them, it's going to be a you big always, event? You always, it's going to be a big event no matter what. But it's going to be even bigger if, say, it's like first and third in when, the West. When Liverpool and Everton play, it's always a big event no matter where Everton is in the table, right? It's always bigger if they're higher up. Yeah. So, I, 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 we'll see. But well, Inter-Miami, I, I thought was funny because we've been fed a bill of goods for them over and over again. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, what are you doing? Well, you and I have both said stop, stop talking and Phil start Neville. doing things. I have it on my phone. I had to record it off the TV. He goes, this is the, the biggest fixture of the weekend. Two titans of Major League Soccer. I'm like, what? Something that he, Those weren't his exact words, yeah. but that's what the point he was going to cross. People are excited about it in the United Kingdom. My family's talking out about these two teams who are at the, the top part of – no, no, no. Really, I saw Gary, Gary Neville over the weekend on TV. He made zero mention of his brother. <laughs> he had, <laughs> they had a bigger fish to fry. Oh, right, Super League. Back Super to the front. League. Well, uh – should we talk just a second about who we got to face next week? Because they had a pretty good match themselves. Shorthanded. Shorthanded. Looking, you want to talk about a team that looked all out of sorts in the first half. I mean, LFC didn't look super out of sorts, but Seattle was garbage in that first half and was lucky to not concede to Minnesota, who actually looked pretty good, and then totally flipped the script and just boat raced Minnesota in the second half. Or nil. Was that, you worried at all? Minnesota's... I mean, and I saw their, star, their striker, and then it was, it was a false night, Robin Lude. And I was like, what, what happened to Wait, all the options can you say the name again? Here? Robin Lude. Ugh. Say Kraftwerk. Kraftwerk. Yeah, see, you got it. You got it I'm the operator with my pocket wow. calculator. You and your crop rock. I love Kraftwerk. Um, the creators of rap, by the way. Uh, yes. Forefathers. If you ask yes. Dr. Dre. Okay. How many times do you think you've said that on this podcast? <laughs> I want people to register <laughs> how important Kraftwerk is. I feel is. like Max's greatest hits are Dr. Dre inspired by Kraftwerk. I feel like that's in your top five. Do, 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 do. I can't do that. I have to pay Kraftwerk, but I'm okay. You got your checkbook. We're going to pay him for royalties for, you, for me humming their song. <clears throat> no, don't put that on the 110 okay. bill. That's an LAFC <laughs> receipt. So, uh, yeah, Seattle, it, it's. I still think LAFC looked better. I mean, they just exploded in that in that second half. But I thought LAFC, with the rhythm they had, uh, looked a little bit better. And Seattle, no Lodeiro, obviously no Jordan Morris. Uh, they may do with with, with these guys. I mean, uh, who's the, who's the guy who's playing for? The name escapes me. Raul, Raul no, not Rui Diaz. Diaz. Oh, Will Bruin. Will Bruin. Will Bruin. Generic white guy. He's still plugging away. Yeah, making a living for a good team. He does. He does the yeoman's work. He's a hard-nosed guy and allows Rui Diaz to just kind of pick his spots and, and finish. Um, Jao Paulo is a, just a, a, a heck of a player. Like for, that's, that's when you really nail a DP, right? A guy that runs the show. He seems to he feels that team. He paces that team. That, that goal, the, the Paul Marie goal in the San Jose game, just a shot from 25 yards. Yeah, it had a little bend to it. Didn't even go top corner. And everyone's like, that's goal of the year contender. I was like, okay, we're a little too ahead of ourselves. And then Jao Paulo drops that one. I go, okay. For a first match, now that might actually be goal of the year contender. What about Chuffies if you're watching that uh, San Jose game? What about him? <laughs> Who ate all the pies, yeah. mate? Did he go to Whataburger before the game at, <laughs> in Houston? He looked he He looked heavy. Heavy. Heavy, heavy legs. in the figurative sense. It was just like the steps. Yeah, no, heavy legs, like just not, 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 no That's touch. A, listen, the, some of the fitness things, it's when you see these players, you just got to put your head down. I saw it with Chuffies. I saw it with Iguain. I'm like, why aren't you in shape? You've, we've had the longest offseason ever. Yeah, I feel fitter than some of these. I uh, did too. Names. I did too. So uh, anyway, it's uh, it's 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 an interesting situation. Maybe everyone not being in shape allowed to have such an entertaining opening weekend with plenty of goals, and uh, we're off and running. And week two is going to be 
this is a big game. LAFC, as as you can see, because our, our our LAFC broadcasts with Mark Rogan Dino and Bernard and Yuli, we don't have a game for another six weeks because the national media just loves LAFC. They do. And they well, Univision, they- Fox, ESPN, ABC. And they love games at Bank of California Stadium. Yes, they do. Imagine that. That's my other takeaway against, or not takeaway yet, because we haven't played them. But the other thing I'm looking wait—is this a bonus takeaway? No, with Seattle. So, so is it six takeaways? If we, no, if we had to go, if we had to go to Seattle after Seattle won four 0 I might be a little weary. But I, I under, other than that Western Conference Championship game, I like playing Seattle at our place. I like just the carpet there. I, I hate it. I hate that there's a football stadium. Uh, I just feel like LAFC has such such an advantage when they can play the way they want to play on a nice surface. What's that stadium called now? It's a Century League. Lumen Field. It's it's hard to keep up with all of this. Uh, what was it before Century Link? It was, remember? Never mind. Seahawks Stadium. So no, it was something else. Um, so we would obviously like. I would like to go to Seattle this week because you would like to push back these home games. As yeah, far so as we can. could so you know, you get have more capacity. fans. That'd be nice. And that's the that's the problem with having these two home games here early on, but. We'll, we'll make sure, and well, I'm sure we'll hear stuff from the club about when the next push for more fans happens. And, and I think we should also mention, you know, there's a lot of people disappointed they didn't make the the, the list to come in here. Be well, patient. I would just Antworth. like to point out, Max and I have nothing to do with that. Yes, we have no say in that. I know people have reached out to me. How do we? How does this happen? I can't believe that. I will say, I do know a few people on that sales team. Still, it's not easy work. So they're trying their best. They're trying to be as transparent as they can, but. Trust me, this is, this is a moving target. Every, it seemed like every other day, California, you know, the state and uh, city health officials were in the stadium to double-check things. Everything was moving. Things were changing at times. They're doing their best. I know for some people that's not enough, and I understand your frustration. I would want to come back, too. I said on the, on the virtual tailgate, it had been 406 days since LAFC had had a competitive match with fans in it. That's way too long. That's a long that's 400 that's over a year uh but they're doing they're doing what they can right. i do have a say in who came in there so i actually oh. picked the names and would, would you like to give out your email address <laughs> i'm just kidding but it's a tough it's a tough gig they want it they want everyone to get there and there's news again it's a moving target as you said it's changing all the time about when that can be expanded but the club i think was really smart about okay let's let's walk before we can run mm-hmm. and don't put too much on the shoulders it's a tough job i was there and seeing everyone working security, Paul. I mean, I didn't even want to say hi to Paul because he had his hands full of time. So I was like, hey, Paul. How's it going? And he I doesn't just, like you. No, he does. He loves me. He texts me all the time. Uh, to say, Team hey, security, Paul. To say, hey, I don't like you. Yes. So Head of team there's security, a lot. Paul. There's a lot of whatever. Uh, there's a lot of stuff go- <laughs> going on there, and everyone did a great job, and it's, it's going to continue going through. Do you want me to share for you what everyone's probably been really waiting for? Yes. Quest Field. Quest Field. That's it. Thank you. All right. Well, Take it. I think we've talked enough. LAFC, take us to, uh, take us out of this to the next segment. Thank you. It's, you, you that's kind of wagging the dog right there. Huh? I'm, hey, pull We're, back the curtain. We had an incredible visual with the TIFO tribute to Mo Fascio. We're going to be joined by Julio Ramos and Chiva Mayor, one of the uh, the big supporters, one of the capo leaders many times there. And we'll talk about Mo. We'll talk about his influence, why he was such a great guy, and why he'll be missed so much, and what's going to be done to remember him moving forward within the 3252. This is Inside LAFC, a.k.a. the Max and Vince podcast, a.k.a. MVP, a.k.a. I didn't have my hands on that list. 
Last month, the LAFC family lost one of its pillars to COVID, Mo Fascio, who is part of the 3252, the District 9 Ultras, and just a man you would see everywhere with the club and in meetings, important functions. Uh, he has been missed incredibly, and we saw that in the game, the season opener against Austin FC. We're now going to bring in a man you, you all know, uh, Chiva Mayor, Julio Ramos, also a District 9 Ultra, and uh, I know this is obviously been a very difficult time Julio but uh your re your reaction to coming back and seeing everything that we were able to see with uh, the tributes to Mo First of all, how are you doing guys thank you for having me um it it was I'm gonna I'm gonna talk from my my uh, own personal uh experience for me it was like the hardest it was one of the days I didn't want to get to the stadium <laughs> it was so hard for me to 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 go back knowing that you know, there was there's we're gonna be we were gonna be missing people besides obviously the people that were not able to go in because of obvious reasons. But um, you know, not not seeing my father in the stands, not seeing Mauricio in the stands was gonna was very, very difficult. Very difficult. It was a bittersweet moment because you know it's for, for us, the supporters, uh being able to be in the stands supporting your team is it's it's a medicine that cures your soul, you know. And it was very necessary. For us to go back, especially after all of this that, that we have been through around the world, and especially in our world, um, I was amazed and I was very happy to see how much love there, there is for Mauricio. Um, it was just a, it was a, like like a an incredible an incredible day. Unfortunately, for the for the wrong reasons. That's the way I see it, Julio. I know that you're thankful that Mauricio's name is uh, now being heard by a lot more people and a lot of people uh, out of this know who he is um, and what he's done for the club. Um, but you were very close to him. Obviously, you guys are, are pillars of the community that started before there was a, a stadium, before there was players, before there was colors. Um, but can you describe a little bit what, what Mo was like as a person, what it was like to hang out with him? Maybe, you know, who, who were his favorite players? What, I want to learn a little bit more about him as, as a guy and some, someone that you got to hang out with for, for long periods of time. Yeah, I'm laughing because Mauricio was the kind of guy that uh, he will he will be serious when, when he had to be serious, but honestly, he was always cracking jokes, man. Even even at the worst times, like, you know, he, he was a person that was always funny, but he always had the right words at the right time. Um, being around him, you were, you were never going to be bored. There was always something to talk about. He knew a lot about everything and uh such an incredible human being man um and i uh i can say this without a doubt you know he he changed a lot of people's lives um being around mauricio was for the people that had the the privilege of spending time with him we had some magical moments with him man you know this guy was, had always had something positive to say uh even if it was the most negative thing um, he will always turn it around and find a way to find something positive out of it, you know. And speaking about the players, of course, we're we're inches, man. We're ultras. Sometimes we would talk smack, you know. That we would get mad at some players and uh, and talk bad about them. Um, but you know, we love the team. We love the team uh, regardless. It's, it's it's like a like you know when you fight with your brother or whatever, you kind of. Tell them how you feel, but then you but you you just stop loving them. So, Mauricio's favorite player, I, I would say, you know, Latif was one of them. 
you know, because Latif is a super humble uh, player, and uh, and we will always talk about Latif, how how he was, how you know he deserves more, and um, how he was always there for the fans. So that's kind of like a little bit of what I can say about Mauricio on a personal level. <laughs> the the few times I got to spend time with him, I felt like I knew him for much longer than that, and uh, some of the meetings for the thirty two fifty two, he was he. He he learned everyone's name. He greeted everyone. If someone wasn't included, he would include them. Just all the traits you want to see from a leader, which he was as the vice president of the 3252 and as an ambassador for the club, you couldn't ask for, for anyone better. And we're, we're going to miss him. And I know when this all started, creating uh, a fan base and a supporter culture, uh, you didn't think that it was going to be for situations like this, but Tell us how that it comes about when you have created this foundation of supporters that when we have to suffer loss like this, that you guys are able to move. And what is that support system like? And how and how quickly were you able to come up with a plan to pay tribute to Mo? You know what? Uh, we are very fortunate to be part of LAFC, uh, you know, part of this club. I, I can guarantee you that not too many teams in the world will be open for something like this, you know, because... It's it's a uh, for for me it was it was not that hard you know being able to to reach out to the players have them you know send a video for Mauricio that I you know I made a video for Mauricio from most of the players including you Max and the and, and Larry and Rich it was it was it wasn't it wasn't hard and, and being able to have that direct communication with the club with the ownership with the players um, it just tells you how important we are to them and, and how really shoulder to shoulder we are and I think that yesterday was I mean Saturday was uh, the perfect example of it you know we all came together like you said really fast to honor him the best way possible and it's not gonna end, end, end there there's more things coming up to honor not just Mauricio but the rest of the people that, that are not that are no longer with us um, due to all the situation uh, this past year and and it's it's just incredible, man. I, I feel very proud of my club and I feel very proud of believing in this project since since day one, just like Mauricio did. Um and, and, and this is something that he he deserved it. And uh it was so magical, man. It's so there's some things that happened in, in that stadium that that were beautiful. That were beautiful that, that maybe uh people will probably never understand. Like I had a and sorry to change the subject a little bit, but I had one of the one of the security guards in the stadium. He sent me a message and he told me, and he told me, listen, Julio, you're not going to believe this, but there was a beautiful butterfly that flew and, 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 because we put a picture of Mauricio right when, where he was always standing, you know, um, welcoming everybody to section 105. So the butterfly went into the, his picture and it was in the picture for, you know, for, for almost a minute and, and the guy couldn't take a picture. So I, I told this story to one of my friends mm -hmm. and she starts crying and she tells me, you know what? that same butterfly was flying and, and stopped right in front of, you know, uh, Lorena, which is one of Mauricio's friends, and, and, and she was next to Ana, which is Mauricio's wife. So, you know, he was definitely there with us. And, and overall, it's, it's, been, it's been magical. The club has been amazing. You know, the, those armbands uh, to honor Mauricio, it's, it's just, I have no words to, to, to describe how, how happy and proud I, I feel uh, for being part of this amazing family. And, and part of that direct connection that, that you bring up, one of the things that I, I stressed when we talked about it on the uh, 
the, the pregame, the virtual tailgate was, you know, this is a moment in time, but uh, Mauricio will always still be here as long as they're supporters of this club um, because his fingerprints are all over everything. Um, and you talked about that direct connection. I know you told us, you know, you didn't, you haven't even had a chance to, to rewatch the game yet. And for those that don't know, people like Julio and the Capos, they, they're working on game day. They, they're facing they, the supporters. They're facing yeah, the supporters. The, they're, the North end. they're, they're bringing the energy. They're working like the players are working, but I'm sure you got to see um, Corey Baird when he scored his goal. And um, for you, how, what does that mean that a, a player, that a new player um, has so quickly kind of picked up the culture uh, and seen what you guys bring. And um, he really kind of tipped his cap, not only to, to you guys, but to Mauricio. And he's, he's been here, what, four months. Uh, what did that mean to you? I'm getting chills just listening to you because it means the world for us as supporters, having a recognition like that from a player, understanding how big Mauricio was and what he meant to all of us. Uh, man, I, you know, I, I am, I, I am forever grateful with, with, uh, with Berg. See, the, the way he celebrated and him and Latif, you know, Latif going and, and getting the picture and taking it around the stadium and taking it to the locker room so that, so that that picture could be on the, on, on the pictures they always taken inside the locker room was beautiful moments, man. You know, it's something like you said, you know, it's a guy that was been here for four months and he's already, he already understands, you know, how important we the the, the, the supporters are and the fans in general. So that's, again, you don't see that in many clubs around the world. You know, at one point we all, we all go and there's that belief that there's the hope that when that happens, that you'll be remembered by your loved ones. And then even more so by an extended group of people that you may not have known so well. And I, I see that with, with Mo and the Tifo and you, you mentioned it too, Julio about, about remembering him and, uh, that's obviously got to be really important for you because, you know, and I, when I remember, it, I, I never celebrated Dia de los Muertos, and I started recently because I go, let's remember those that we've lost and do it on a regular basis. And you do that with your, your friends and your family. But what are you going to do? What do you, what do you think some of those members of the District 9 Ultras and the 3252 are going to do to keep Mo's memory alive and well within the club? Uh one thing that we talk about within the couples and uh, within the 3252 is uh, Mauricio's favorite number was uh, number nine. So that chant that, that, that we did for him, uh, we are going to do it every game at the ninth minute, uh, you know, to to honor him and to keep keep him alive. And, and, and more than that, you know, we're going to work through the, he was a community, commu community person. So there's so many projects coming, coming on that uh, we're going to be, helping the family because obviously everything that we do and his name is going to be with the approval of the family. Um, and we're going to work hard to continue his legacy basically because that's, it's, that is, it's a legacy. Like, you know, being on his memorial uh, last weekend and, and listening to people that I had no, no, no idea that uh, I never met before and, and, and listening to them, how, what they were talking about Mauricio. I think that we basically all, uh, agree on one thing that Mauricio was just a, an incredible person that deserves to be remembered as long as we as as long as I'm alive I'm gonna make sure that his memory is always there so I, I think like just like me there's a lot of supporters including people within the club that are gonna make sure that legacy continues uh, somewhere or the, or, or the other well Julio I want to thank you uh, when when Max and I were putting the podcast together we were thinking about what we can do and obviously the tribute was 
so monumental and the celebration was uh, it was just it was it's hard to put into words um, when you see a TFO like that and you see um, how important that was and it, everything just funneled into that moment right before the game um, and then everything kind of the whole lens of the game was then seen through that moment um, with Corey and, and Latif at the end. So uh, I want to thank you for your, you're taking time out of your, your work day to come in, to, to join us. So I appreciate that. Uh, I just want to ask you before you leave us, um, you had shared with us the, the artist name that helped you with that. And I, I said to you, you know, it was like looking at a, at a photograph. It was a beautiful piece um, of work. It was an amazing piece of work that TIFO. Could you, could you share with us uh, just the artist name and a little bit of uh, what went into making that TIFO? Cause not only was it, uh, a spitting image, it was humongous, which uh, just went to show the, the stature of, of, of Mo in this club. Yeah, um, I may, the, the, the artist is uh, Robert Vargas. Uh, his uh, Instagram ac account is the Robert Vargas. He's an amazing local artist from Boyle Heights. Like, if, if you go check out his Instagram, like, you're going to see what kind, like, the kind of artwork that he does. Not, he's not just an amazing uh, artist, he's an amazing human being. Man. Like, I met him. Uh, he was doing a mural for the Mexico jersey, and 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 right away we clicked, man. We, uh, I felt like I, I like I've known know him forever. So that's, uh, you know, I, we started talking, and that's when Mauricio was still in the hospital. And then uh, the day he passed, you know, I, I talked to him and I told him, listen, man, um, this guy, you know, meant a, meant meant a lot to us, and it, it would be very cool if you can help us with the with the tifo, you know, to at least do his face. He did me a sketch of his face. In less than three minutes with soya sauce, <laughs> and um, dude, I'll, I'll and I'll send you guys the the video later. But so you know, him saying yes, uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, it's it was very nice of him uh, to be part of this, and and as you all can see, like his his artwork was very beautiful, and but and then also credit to Gil and all the people that that, that was behind the the TIFO. I we. As District Nine Ultras are very thankful with the 3252 for not even thinking about it twice and say, you know what, the team was gonna be Mauricio. Period. And you know that that tells you of, of like I said, like when we work shoulder to shoulder, that's that's exactly it. You know. Um, but yeah, Robert Vargas is a man, and I I wanna thank him publicly for for being part of this, for participating with the TIFO, and um, you know, he did it with because of the love of, for for you know, for what, what, what he saw and, and, and the story that we told him about Mauricio without even knowing him. So it was, it was very, very beautiful. Julio, I know we all wish he was here, but uh, I know he's got to be smiling, seeing all the love and effort you guys are doing to remember him and to continue to remember him. It's important work, and I, I can speak on my behalf, and I'm sure Vince would agree. It makes us all feel whole with this club that this is how, if you're a member of it, this is how you're going to be treated. And uh, it's, uh, it's it, I've, something I've never really encountered. I've never seen a TIFO for a supporter. So congratulations on all you do and for all the love and the strength that you give, not just the supporters, but the people who work for the club. Thank you. And I just want to mention one, uh, one thing. I, I know there's a lot of people uh, asking how they can help uh, Mauricio's family uh, and how they can do some funds or whatever. So right now, um, the family is going to let us know when and how they need the help. Uh, and, and this help is going to be to do community uh, events or to help the community. Um, so please, if you guys see anybody selling early merchandise, anything that has to do with Mauricio, and that is not through the District 9 Ultras, 
please report it to us because it's, it has not been approved by the family and um and and they're just you know capitalizing on, on something that they shouldn't and they and that's been happening correct you've seen some of these like he's like this on yeah there's some people that try but thank god after we talked to them and we told them that without the the, the approval of the family they they were not they should not release it they stopped and uh so far it's been you know they've been respectful respectful of it and that's that's pretty cool you know i re we really appreciate that and, and just one last thing uh you know, one thing that Mauricio was always, always, always very passionate about is making sure that us as LAFC, um, we're always united uh, to reach the goal that is to be the best, not just in the MLS, but to be what, one of the best supporters in the world. And I think that this should help us to be, uh, to be more united uh, when it comes to the fans and and make it happen one day one of our dreams that we always talk about was one day we want to see the entire bank of california doing the chance for lfc and and, and we, we will make that happen very little doubt with all the work you guys have done that all the the goals you want to hit you're going to reach julio ramos chiva mayor thanks for joining us here on inside lafc mvp pod and we'll all take moments to remember mo every time we're at the game and we'll be back next week as we will recap the Seattle game as well. Please subscribe, rate, give us a review. We are here for you guys. And uh, we'll see you then. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you.